Gem City Sports Network presents GCSN Reports. Tonight's show is being brought to you by Profiler Performance Products. By Don Brown Sports Apparel, a big league look for minor league price. By McAfee Heating and Air, any season, any time, McAfee. By Profiler Inc. By the USO. By a Special Wish Foundation of Dayton in Southwest Ohio. And by the Gem City Sports Network, your source for local sports in the Miami Valley, the Gem City Sports Network. And now here's your host, Doug Brown. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to this edition of GCSN Reports. My name is Doug Brown, and tonight we are talking women's football. That's right, women's football. And it's no joke, believe me. I've seen it. These girls, they hit it just as hard as the men do. Uh, so if you get a chance to go see a women's football uh, game, do so. But today we are talking to uh, Pam McQueer, who is the reigning, I guess it's the reigning Mrs. Michigan now. Is that right? Mrs. Michigan, United States. Okay. So uh, she is also involved with uh, women's football. She played uh, a long time ago. And uh, believe it or not, this Women's football has been around since the early 1920s, and, uh, and nobody knows about it. They thought it was a novelty back at the time, back in the day, and but it is really not. They've got leagues all over the uh, all over the area, all over the state, all over the world. To be honest with you, and uh, Pam, talk about the, the the history of women's football. Well, thank you for having me on this evening. And, you know, a, a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, as you just, you know, shared with your listeners, is that, you know, women's football dates back into the, you know, 1920s. Certainly, you know, I remember um, reading quite often um, about the women's football, um, you know, leagues that started in 1936. and. You know, they really gave it their all. You know, men really, truly weren't very embracing of it, but it was entertainment. Um, so they would have halftime shows, and it would be the women's football um, teams. Well, you know, the thing of it is, Doug, is that today these team owners and players face the same obstacles that they did back in 1936, just trying to, A, you know, really – get people's attention that they're serious about this game, they're skilled players, they understand the game, they play the game well, and that they're not, it's not like backyard football. They're out there really hitting, and, you know, it's, um, it's a sight to, to, um, to be seen. Having said all that, in 2000, you know, my husband and I bought um, a team um, in a former league, and we started um, the Southwest Michigan Jaguars. And oddly enough, we had played um, right there in your backyard, um, Tanya Jackson's team, the, the Dayton Diamonds. So we, we go way back. We had our team for five years. And one of the things that I can assure you that I learned right away was that we were always surprised by the amount of skill and the knowledge that these females brought to the field. And it was amazing. I personally enjoyed watching, you know, the novice player, if you will, become a skilled player that understood both sides of the ball. And putting on that show on a Saturday night is really important, you know, because the fans, you know, really quite don't know what to expect. But the majority of them, and I'm going to tell you probably 80, if not 90% of the people that will come and watch a game will comment after something similar to that, oh, my gosh, I didn't think it would be anything like this. I can't believe how hard they hit. I can't believe how fast she was. You know, it's just in the size of the players. So, you know, it's been something that's been around for a long, long time. And as you said, we have many leagues, you know, throughout, you know, um, the United States and internationally now with a presence. And in 2005, I left my team to go take a position with Douglas Sports and Pads after I designed and patented the first and only female football shelter pad out there um, that's named Xena. And one of the opportunities that I've had and a blessing as well is to get to speak with these players one-on-one. What do they like about the pad that they're wearing, whether that's a, you know, a Xena pad or it's a Riddell pad or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, fine-tuning 
um, you know, that pad for the anatomical differences. And, you know, my patent was very challenging. It was a 15-year um, project, you know, to get it completed. And we at Douglas are getting ready to launch in 2024. We have revamped the Xena pad, and there's two new series coming out. But in the midst of all that, as if one could imagine, you know, we only have shoulder men's shoulder pads. So by the second month that we're hitting in our first year of practice, I'm watching shoulders just be blown out. Mm. And I sat down at practice in the second month, got a pad of paper, out and a pencil, and started designing. And, you know, today... We can't keep that pad on the shelf, you know, that, that, we, that I named Xena. So there was a need for it. The desire has always been there for women to play, you know, football. Um, the, the disadvantage, Doug, that they have is that they learned the game mentally for so many years before they were able to implement that. So the body and the mind are never really working together. Um, as it would be as a young boy, right? They go up playing pop, you know, pop Warner football, high school football, college football, you know, and, uh-huh. and if you're fortunate enough, you get into pro, right? Right. So back when I was a freshman, um, our school stadium was named after Coach Stridel, and my father played for him. I was out throwing his quarterbacks at a practice, and he fought the school board for me to play. They wouldn't allow me to play. <laughs> They would allow me to play. And, you know, so that stigma has been there for a long, long time. But today, look at We have female, um, you know, officials in the NFL, and we have college coaches now that are, you know, that are women. And, you know, it's starting to catch on. It's the fastest-growing sport that's out there, and yet I think one of the most intriguing because people quite don't know what to think of it exactly. until they've, they've experienced it. Now, did you play Did you play the game of football did, uh, in I a women's not. league? I did not, and I'll tell you, when I bought my team, um, unfortunately, the late Steve Sable from NFL Films, um, some friends of mine in the NFL had um, had me speak with him, and my favorite player was Roman Gabriel. And, you know, most teenage girls, they had David Cassidy or Mickey Jones or Ringo Starr all over their wall. No, I had Roman Gabriel. <laughs> And I wanted to grow up, you know, I mean, I'm only like seven years old, so what do I know, right? I wanted to grow up and be a nun, and I wanted to marry Roman Gabriel. My dad's like, well, you know, the odds of both of that probably are pretty slim. But nonetheless, you know, my love for football really was, um, you know, I think of the Roman Gabriels, the Bart Stars, the Jimmy Plunkett's, you know, those people. Um, and... So really that passion, my dad, he was he was an avid fan of football. So I grew up watching it and played it. I lived in a, a neighborhood that was all boys, so if I wanted to participate, I had to learn how to play. And But I was a little, you know, I'm only five foot, and um, Roman Gabriel um, actually was flown here to Otsego, Michigan, to the stadium where my team played on a home game as a birthday surprise for me from Steve Sable. And it was truly amazing. My fans were just beside themselves, if you can imagine, and as was I. One of the things that Roman said to me about five minutes after our introduction, he said, promise me you're not going to play this game. And I said, well, I often think of it, but I think that I'll be a better owner, really focusing on being an owner and not a player. So he watched the game, and he was so amazed. He was so amazed at the talent that was on the field, and he just couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. And, you know, pardon me? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that when I sat back and I think about all that, you know, in the moment that he's there, you know, I'm just all starstruck because there's Roman, right? But one of the things that Roman had said to me and he shared with me and he has throughout our friendship, you know, that's continued on, is what it's like to be a pioneer. And he said to me, you will make more of an impact with this shoulder pad and running your team and running it well and helping grow the sport, just as I, he said, as a pioneer, living out of a suitcase on a bus, being paid $50, you know, um, when they won the championship game. There wasn't sideline warmers. They didn't have the things that, you know, that we have available today. Right. But as I said, even though the pay is much larger for those players today that we watch, you know, on a Sunday and a Thursday night, he knows that he contributed to make the sport what it's grown to be. 
And to me, you know, those words of wisdom are, was very powerful, and I, and I carry them with me forward every day. And actually on my Mrs. Michigan United States pageant page, underneath my name is a slogan that Roman Gabriel said to me, and I, I think of it every day. And the quote is, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. And it's the truth about anything that we get involved in. And, you know, I look back at the sport, and I think of those women in the 1920s, the late 1920s. In 1936, you know, when they, too, had a passion for a game that they weren't allowed to play. So, you know, being a team owner, you know, being the commissioner of a league now, um, having the, the shoulder pad and the development of that and having the just the uh, I'm blessed abundantly with the network and the football arms around me. And that means from NFL players to collegiate coaches to high school coaches, you name it, um, to Douglas Sports and Pads. So pioneering is something that truly um, not just Pam Queer has done, but I think of those women, we got to go back and give credit in the late 1920s, right? It's what right. us where we are today. Tanya Jackson, right there, you know, in Dayton, Ohio, um, how she, you know, um, she contributed many, many years ago as a player, and yet today as a team owner still has that same passion. But that's what motivates and drives these owners to be better owners is because they know the bumps and the bruises and the speed bumps, right? Right. You can't, we can't, there's not one of us that can take women's football to where it needs to be. And, and what does that mean, where it needs to be? They, too, would someday like to be compensated for their skill, sure. right, sure. on this road. And that's what we're all working towards. So it takes, it, I say it takes a family, you know, um, to get this done. And as commissioner, that's the atmosphere and the environment that I try to create. On the field, we're competitive against one another. Off the field, we are brothers and sisters. And together, we can achieve a goal. Well, you know, uh, over the years, uh, you know, women really do know a lot about football. Tanya is one of them. And they sit there and they watch football constantly on Sundays. Every Sunday, they'll watch the NFL. On Saturdays, they'll watch the uh, the college ranks and stuff like that. And but they know a lot of they know a lot about football. And if they get a chance to play, you can bet your bottom dollar they're going to get out there and they're going to hit somebody. And uh, they're going to want to play. You know, and there's, like I said, there was teams here in Ohio, uh, like the Cincinnati Sizzle, the uh, Columbus Chaos, Toledo Rain, Dayton Diamonds. I think it was a team in Cleveland. Uh, and you, up there in Michigan, you had uh, West Michigan. You had a uh, team in Detroit. You had all, time, all kinds of teams all around the, uh, all around the country. And then um, just uh, leagues that, you, that women can go and play. But they got to be dedicated they, you know, they can't go out there and say, okay, well, we're not going to practice, but we're going to play a game. But, hey, this is serious business when it comes to women's football. If you want to play football in a, in a, a league in this, in this country, you got to be dead serious, just like a man, right? I agree. And I think that one of the, one of the, the main focuses that I always said as a team owner was, you know, to my team and my players, is that what separates an athlete from an Olympian, right? Right. Dedication. That's right. It's dedication. Continue to be dedicated, and you have the passion. And if you're disciplined, and it's a discipline too, dedication and discipline, because you can you can achieve your goals if you believe you can, right? Right. It begins within ourselves. I believe I can. And until you can get there, Continue to have that discipline to strive to improve, to improve your position, regardless of what the the sport is, right? Or, right. Exactly. Or the position that you're that you train out for. Something that I would like to point out, and I don't really think that many people, unless they've been around women's football, could even begin to imagine how dedicated these women are and the obstacles that they have to meet that they're challenged with on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, and a yearly basis, right? Because football is no different than any other sport, right? I'm a former boxer, martial artist. If I was going to compete and I was going to win, which, thank God, I did, and I became very good, but I'm driven and I have a lot of discipline, and I, when I'm dedicated to something, I'm dedicated. 
but that's what it takes to master it. But these women that are playing today, you know, they are mothers. They are single mothers. They are wives. They have, maybe they're entrepreneurs. Um, maybe they're students. But they're not paid to play. So we come play a sport that we truly just love, but if we get hurt while we're playing, we're now going to miss work. Where is the compensation for them for the loss of income? They're taking times away or time away from their spouses, their family, their significant other, their partners, their babies, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes their work, shifting those schedules so that they can be freed up to, to travel or be home on that Saturday night game, right? Exactly. And that is an ongoing, you know, um, struggle for many, many players. And I know personally when I owned my team, we had so many players that really wanted to play and it wasn't that they didn't want to get to practice. Their schedule didn't allow to, but they still had to put food on the table, right, and a roof over their bed or contribute to their household budget. So, you know, this is something that is a challenge. It's forever been a challenge. And there are people that are dedicated, and I know the ones that, you know, that I am currently working with. That is our goal. That is our goal is that we can somehow, some way, make it conducive for these players to play and will it ever be the compensation that they're looking for? Maybe not in my lifetime, but I will tell you this. It begins today, right, when exactly. everybody comes together. And you're realistic. And I think, Doug, that's one of the biggest issues that I've had to address in all the years that I've been around women's football is, you know, what is really reality and what's irrational thinking, right? So if you step on the field and you're an enhanced player and you're really good at what you do, are you gonna? Is the NFL gonna pick you up and sign you? No. Are you going to be viewed as someone who potentially your skill level? And this happens often. People will judge them and say, "Well, yep, that's high school equivalent." No, she really could play at college level. I don't know. She might be good enough to, you know, to be in the NFL. Those are ongoing issues that women gonna, are going to address for a long, long time. Time. Does the NFL have any um, or have any desire to um, to have a women's um, league? Who knows, right? Right. Um, but I will tell you this. I think that when the league is ran properly and you run it, you know, elite with an elite um, projection, and from administration down to the players and the ethic of the players and the ethic of the league owners and the team owners, you know what? You get people's attention. That doesn't just mean that we have the NFL watch us, and maybe they just want to watch because, you know what, they true are, too are intrigued by the level of the sport, right, played. I find it ironic, you know, that people will say to me, well, do you really believe that women's football is here to stay? Well, I obviously believe that in 2000 when I bought a team, and, you know, by the time I left in 2005, we're already manufacturing a shoulder pad that we can't keep on the shelf. So, yeah, um, what my gut instincts were was very promising, and I believed. I believed that with the right leadership, you know, this women's football could grow. There's many, many leagues out there, as you you know, you speak of, and if you look at them, they're all ran differently. Everybody has their vision, right, and right. their mission. Does that mean that you know, the commissioner in is any better, any different, you know, any worse than other leagues? No, the vision is different. Everybody's on a mission. You open your own business, McDonald's and Arby's, and you know, um, you know, um, Burger King. They all sell similar food, right? right? Similar product, but some prefer one over the other. And why is that, right? No different than, you know, in these leagues and women's football teams that they're going to follow. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to ask uh, Pam about how you, what it takes to become an owner of a team, what it, what it takes to become a player, and what you have to do to become both. We'll be right back with that and more right after this. You're listening to GCSN Reports here on the Gem City Sports Network. 
Profiler Performance Products is an all-American manufacturer of racing cylinder heads and intake manifolds. From two-time Drag Week winner Jeff Lutz to the winningest bracket champions like Disco Dean Karn, Profiler Performance has become the overwhelming choice of drag racing's best-known name. Profiler Performance offers the absolute best bolt-on performance for cylinder heads and intake, utilizing their own in-house custom casting and CNC machining. For more information, visit ProfilerPerformance.com or find them on Facebook. Profiler Performance, they make power they haven't even used yet. Hey, sports fans, you all know Don Brown. He was born and raised here in the Miami Valley and have met many of you somewhere along the line as a player, coach, or sports broadcaster for WKEF and WRGT-TV. Sports has been a big part of his life and remains so today. So if your high school team, little league organization, or group wants to look good year-round, then look no further than Don Brown Sports. From spirit gear t-shirts, polos, or equipment embroidery, or screen printing, Don Brown Sports is your first and last stop. He's got big quality at minor league pricing. Feel free to get in touch with DB via email at dhkbrown1, that's the number one, at gmail.com. Or feel free to call him at 937-430-3105. Don Brown Sports, a big league look for a minor league price. We know that purchasing a new system is a big decision. At McAfee, we feel you should only have to make it once. That's why we offer lifetime, worry-free coverage on new McAfee systems. Never a charge for repairs, never a charge for maintenance, not even a charge for filters. And when the day comes the system needs replaced, you're covered. Any season, any time, McAfee. Contact McAfee Heating and Air at 937-438-1976 or www.mcair.com or 1-800-AIR-REPAIR. Back here on GCSN Reports, we're here with Pam McQueer, who is uh, owner of and the uh, uh, designer of women's sh- uh, shoulder pads, and she's also a former league owner or a former team owner of a women's football team. So, Pam... It's, if somebody was out there, somebody out there listening, um, and they want to get a team started, what do they have to do? What do they have to go through? Well, as a commissioner, um, you know, of a women's football um, league, I could tell you that the first, the first place that they need to start is do your homework, regardless of what the the league is. Maybe you have a local team near you. Maybe you went and visited a team that you watched play, but you just have that desire to play. Starting from you know, from the bottom up, what does a commissioner, what does a team owner look for in a player? So it would probably be no different if it was even in a recreational sport. First and foremost, you're looking for whatever the position is that the player wants to play. A, realistically, is the player, um, are they skilled enough to play that position? You know, is it something that they have knowledge of? How dedicated are they? Are they disciplined? Do they work out? Do they do whatever it's going to take for them to be able to better that position that they want to play? So that means in women's football that because they're not paid to play, um, many of them will be students. You know, they'll be single moms, moms, entrepreneurs, you know, whatever the case may be. They have to be able to work the schedule to meet the practices and the games around their work schedule. So sometimes that can be quite challenging for them. But then they have to find the team that's going to feel like a good fit for them. So as a commissioner, let's talk about what is a good team owner. What do we look for potentially in a team owner? First and foremost is, are you realistic about owning a business? Because it's a business, whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit business that you're going to form for your team, you have to get sponsorships. You have to be able to know how to project your team out there, you know, that really truly will shine that people would want to sponsor your team. And then creating all the marketing and promotional material that's going to go along with it to get the buzz going about your team. And then what is your rapport going to be like that you're going to build? You have to have a stadium to play in as a commissioner. I have requirements. 
that you have to meet um, to be able to play in a stadium, such as the stadium has to be, um, it, the field has to be lined, has to have, you know, a scoreboard um, that's not a manual scoreboard, so, you know, electronic. You have to be able to get officials. You have to have game day staff. You have to have locker rooms. You have to be able to support when you're hosting a, um, a team. You have to be able to have water, juices, you know, like Gatorade, ice, things like that. You have to have a facility that can accommodate the needs and what is the, what is the seating, um, you know, that, that the stadium hosts. And, you know, do they have a loudspeaker? You know, there's just a lot of things that, that go into it. And a lot of owners, you know, that I speak with, you know, they, they love football, so they think they want to own a team, but they're clueless about mm-hmm. how much work it takes, right, to get that roster, to build the roster, to make sure that, you know, you're going to be able to keep the buses rolling down the road. The insurance that you have to carry on the stadium for liability, you know, for if someone slips and falls, right, walking right. up the bleachers. Um, and then the reality of, you know, do you understand marketing from a media standpoint? How are you going to get the word out there about your team? What have you done in the past? Quite often we do see owners that come from a background of marketing and promotion, or we see a lot of coaches that want to buy a team so they know the work that it's going to take to get those practices done, to meet setting the schedule, and um, then bringing in your coaches underneath you to be able to make sure that you assemble a good team with good knowledge. And then here's something that's a big shout-out out there. Team owners, you know, our job is to own the team, but we also are responsible for looking over your coaching staff, right? As that owner, you have to make sure that your eyes are on everything, from the people that are parking the cars at the game to the people that are working concessions to, you know, um, anybody who's coming in to use the restroom. So our fans going into these establishments that, you know, we are renting, the facilities, the schools, are they trashing it? Right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to get a big bill at the end of the um, of the night because some kids went in there and did things that they shouldn't be doing? And these things happen, but you have to be prepared. So I tell every team owner, you have to accept and you have to expect, right? So the best owner that you can be is be prepared for the worst-case scenario, right? We're in the middle of the game, and all of a sudden a tornado starts rolling in. How are you going to get your fans into safety and your players and that opposing team as quickly as possible? Those are things I address as a commissioner, things we wouldn't often think about, right? right. What about, you know, your emergency staff that's on the side of the um, – on your sidelines? Who are they? What are their qualifications? And you cannot have a game without them there, right? Right. So there's just an immense amount of work that goes into it. Now, one could look at that as that's overwhelming, and I don't know if I can do that. And then there's others that like the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. I was one of those that accepted that challenge. I held the highest attendance um, in my team, in my league, in my five-year tenure. Now, did that mean that everybody in the stands paid to be there? No. You know what I did? I'd go to the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, the Youth Leagues, go to your racket football teams, your high school teams, and I would say, listen, you help me sell tickets, 50% of what you bring in, I will donate back to your boosters, you know, or to your youth group or to the Girl Scouts, mm-hmm. to the Boy Scouts. Let me tell you, we had fans in the stands. Now, let me ask you something. Uh, when you played or when you had your team and some other team owners, they, uh, they'll play at a high school stadium, right? They can play at high school stadiums with no problem. And They can't. In, back in our league, yes, they could. You know, the the stipulations were not as strong as what I have guidelines as a commissioner, but there's reasons for that because of our experience from owning a team. Right. So uh, talk about how a uh, young lady can uh, become a player. Well, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do today is that we've had some teams that have 15-year-olds playing, and that's not acceptable as a commissioner. Yeah. Just as a mother, um, my personal on that is that I don't want a 25-year-old woman who weighs 300 pounds hitting who might only weigh 100 pounds, 120, whatever. I think that that's at a disadvantage, and I don't think it's something that looks very good. So I'm against that, 
But we do, we, we are in support of a 17-year-old with a waiver that can play to, to come on. So we had, when we had our team, we had 18-year-olds. I had some 55-year-olds. And, you know, you never, never quite know what you're going to get. But, but it, you know, as a player, if you want to come on and you want to play, have to be realistic, which means that you know something. It's a team. There's no I in team, right? We've heard it all probably almost all of our life, especially in sports. There is no I in team. So I used to say to the players, and when we have fundraisers, you know, it's not mandatory that you have to come to all of them. But if you don't participate, you're not playing on a Saturday night because the other players are going to work their biscuits off, right? So that that bus can roll down the road, but you come. And, you know, you would be amazed, and I can say it a woman, but, you know, if you talk to any man who's ever dated a woman or married a woman or whatever, it's hard to make one woman happy, right, and keep her happy, right? We should be a little bit of Doug. But now try to have a roster of 99 or 120 like we did. Try to make all of them happy at once, right? Everybody's been excited to play. You can't. It's it's impossible, but you got to get thick. You have to have thick skin as an owner. <laughs> yeah. But it was safe too. What my husband and I were able to achieve is that we realized that passion and that fire within those players, regardless of what your number was on your jersey, what your your ability to produce on the field was. They all wanted to play, Doug. They oh, all yeah. wanted to. Play. And when they didn't get put in, and there's and they made every practice, right? Mm-hmm. You want to play. We were so blessed in five years with coaches that, you know, when we'd run the um, – we were, we were winning and the score was, was up there, we played everybody. We played everybody because they deserved that opportunity to play. Now, if you're a team, right, you understand if the score is, is, is tight, we got to put those players in to get the job done. We're there to win. Exactly. We're there to win. But we never had 11 stars on the field at one time, and I used to say that to the players. We never missed a practice in five years, my husband and I, never missed a practice. And I used to say to them, it's not 11 stars on the field at one time. Whatever the numbers are on our roster and the depth, that's my stars. That's how many stars we have as Southwest Michigan Jaguars. Now, I will tell you, we talked a few minutes ago about stadiums, right? Uh Some of the stadiums that was allowed in the league that we we played in, and this is why Charlie and I as commissioners are very strict about this. When you came and played the Southwest Michigan um, Jaguars, we were in a beautiful stadium. It was a high school stadium. It was a bowl stadium. The food was amazing that we gave to the opposing teams, not, on, not only counting what was available to our fans. So when you came and you played the Jags, you had plenty of ice, you had plenty of Gatorade, you had water, you had fruit in your locker room, you had fruit on your sidelines. When you left, you went home with a hot meal, whether that was subs and pizzas, you know, um, whatever the case may be, um, all the pop that they wanted to drink, you know, whatever. We catered to them. If they forgot their athletic tape, we covered their athletic tape. We took care of them. The unfortunate part of it was is that in a league where there's not a lot of structure, we would get to stadiums where we never got ice, we never got water, we didn't have locker rooms, we had no food sent home with us, but, you know, Mama Pam and Daddy Charlie, we packed food just in case, just in case that that was going to happen for our players. To me, that's unacceptable at a league level. So as a league owner, you need to implement and put structure in where everybody has to, you know, um, conform and they have to do and commit that they're going to do. Be aware of what am I signing, right, when I sign on as a team owner. What are the expectations of me? And then I have to produce, right? I have to produce. And and you have to read everything on the agreement, too. Just don't say, okay. Just don't listen to somebody say, well, this is this, uh, this, this, uh, just about the stadiums. No, you read the whole thing so you aren't blindsided by something. Right. And I think today, one of the things that Charlie and I take great pride in is that as our team owners, we're there 24-7 for them. Our position as a commissioner is free. 
We're not paid to be here. We're here because we love the sport and we are pioneers in the sport and we want to see the sport grow. So as a team owner, you know, I will say to them, you know what, when you get a contract from the stadium that you want to play, of course we have to approve it first, but we're going to go over those, you know, those agreements or those contracts with you. What does that mean when you sign on the dotted line? What are you obligating to? Can you fulfill not only the league requirements for you to play at that stadium, but you must produce as well for that district to make sure um, that you you will abide and you can supply ample insurance coverage, um, naming naming that that um, stadium on there in the event that there you know there is. Um, ever, um, you know, a casualty. You never know. Yeah, I mean, people all the time and trip, you know, at sporting events. So it's just the simple things like that that really, truly, I think if you have a very structured league, Doug, never really becomes an issue because those are all addressed before the season even begins. Now, how can, uh, how can uh, somebody become an owner? Um, after everything is, after everything that you said, how can they become an owner? Who do they contact, or can you say as of right now? Can you say who to contact? Well, mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would say right now, um, and I like to be pretty broad about this. Okay, of course I can talk about the league, you know that, you know that I'm from. But when I do these shows, this is what I like to do. Pam and Charlie are very neutral people. I support, and Charlie supports every league that's out there. Okay, we know what it takes to get a team together, to put the show on a Saturday night, and then at a league level to run all of that. So we support each and every league. So the first thing that I would say to a team owner is do your homework. Look at the leagues, you know, read about them, follow them, you know, and make sure that that's a good fit for you, right? Because you have to be realistic in the sense of, what am I really signing on the dotted line to do? What are my obligations? The second thing that you need to look at, what are the for me to be involved in a league? Okay? Um, and there and there's some leagues out there, you know, that they're because they have, you know, longevity, they're able to offer their team owners some perks that maybe new leagues cannot. Does that make that the the league that's gonna offer you more perks a better league than the league who's just beginning? Absolutely not. I always say to some of the team owners, if you're interested in joining a league that's pioneering and you really want to be able to have some input and make a difference, then maybe this is a league that you should consider. If you really don't care that your contribution is about growing the sport, but you just like the sport, then maybe that new league that has a different vision is not the league for you. But nonetheless, it is going to be a financial obligation that you're going to have to meet in order to surpass and to fulfill your contract. So regardless if that means that it comes from your pocket or you get out there and you hustle and you get some sponsorships to help pay your way, then that is all within that team owner. It's within the potential and the desire for you to get busy, to get the word out there. I recommend to all of the teams that I speak with to form a 501c3. They'll say, well, Commissioner Pam, why would I want to do that? Well, I can tell you in today's world, if you're a nonprofit, you're going to get sponsorship dollars a lot faster than if you are oh, yeah. for-profit. Definitely. Okay? Definitely. That doesn't mean you wouldn't get some sponsorships, but it is times are hard, right? Exactly. Times are hard in the economy, and these businesses that are going to sponsor you need every incentive for tax write-offs that they can, right? Times are tough. So, you know, that's always a recommendation, you know, and if they don't know how to form a 501c3, that's what we do as commissioners. We help them understand that process. They don't have an accountant. We help them find an accountant. If they don't understand, you know, what it takes or qualifies to, you know, to find a good, you know, head coach, we help with that. And, you know, we have some leagues out there, um, and, as, and again, as I say, I support them all and respect them all. They don't have the time. When you're, you have so many teams underneath you, you can't give those teams the one-on-one that Charlie and I can give these teams, right? Right. That doesn't mean that they don't care about their teams. They're busy 
on the upper, um, uh, you know, on the upper uh, management. So you don't see Roger Goodell, right? No. He's not out there telling you how to run a fundraiser, right? No. Does he hope that you know? Does he hope that each team can survive? Of course, you have to produce, right? But exactly. that's a big, big league, right? Mm-hmm. But they began, they began right where we we have and we did. My one of my grandpas, he played on the amateur Detroit Lions team. Oh, really? Yeah, he did. Marion was Zorik, and I'll never forget his stories. And you know, it's back when it was like, you know, we some people refer it today, you know, as like a bush league, right? It's kind of amateur. But nonetheless, they had fun. They had fun, and you know, they would um, they would have tailgate parties, you know, and cookoffs and stuff like that. And they'd say sell plates of food so they could go get on the road to go play these other amateur teams. I thought it was great. It was yeah. absolutely great. But all Doug begins somewhere, right? right? It begins when that seed is planted as a youth growing up in a home. What if if your daddy is a sports lover or your mom is? What sports are you? already predisposed to right we start building our own our own desire our own passion you know and my dad he loved baseball he loved football he loved golf you know he loved fishing and even though i was a little girl my dad taught me to do all of those things and she made me a better athlete because he exposed me he exposed me to so many different things you know i remember sitting in a boat with him and fishing and the only way he could get me to be quiet in the boat and stay long enough to fish he had to buy me Orange Crush, Cracker Jacks, <laughs> Cracker Jacks, and Neckle and Neckle candies. And I would sit there and I'd eat. And you know, I look back and I think, my God, I was putting worms on the hook and I was still eating the Cracker Jacks and my and my Neckles. As a kid, you didn't know, but they were the best times. And now that my daddy's no longer here, my mind goes back to those times. And as you all could tell who are listening, I have a gift to Gab, and he used to say, that's the only way I could get you to be quiet. <laughs> Does Charlie do so, that to you, too? No, you know what? Um, I can say 45 years, you know, we are celebrating the end of this month together. He's a wise man, and he, one of the things that he will tell anybody is, I know when to be quiet, and I know when to listen. <laughs> uh, God love him. He's a good man. But So, you know, really, truly, you know, football has been loved even by little girls. You know, even I'm 63 years old, and I've loved it from the time that I can remember. I'm grateful my dad introduced me to it. Who would have ever thought his little girl sitting on his lap watching football or hooting and, you know, jumping and hollering, you know, when they're scoring touchdowns, who would have ever thought I was going to design the first and only female football shoulder pad? Exactly. You know what? You uh, never know what happened. But uh, let people know how they can get a hold of uh, the shoulder pads and where to go and who to contact about the shoulder pads. So Douglas Sports and Pads out of Houston, Texas. If you go to douglassportsandpads.com, the Xena pad is on there. You can actually order off of the website. We do have reps um, that um, are in different states, and if you call the Douglas number, um, they will they will guide you. They will help um, you take the measurements. And again, keeping in mind, we have the the new pads, the two new series coming out in 2024. So if they call to get a Xena pad and they tell them, you know, that they heard this segment or they spoke with Pam McQueer, um, not that they would get any different service because Douglas Sports and Pads are wonderful. I mean, they're the Cadillac of pads. Let's let's admit it. In the college and colleges and the nfl they're the pad i was very very honored and blessed when they licensed you know my shoulder pad so you know they can they can go on the website um they can also ask if they have a rep in their area maybe they'd like the rep to help measure them if they have questions about you know how to measure or just about the pads and they really don't want to talk to anybody because of the physical, you know, differences and the anatomical differences, Mm -hmm. my number is available, you know, to them. They can call me at any time at 269-998-6347, and I'm happy to yield those calls and to, you know, to help assist in them purchasing a Xena pad. And I've answered those calls for many, many years, even, you know, international calls about the pad. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, I know there's several girls in this area uh, that play on high school teams. Now, mm-hmm. 
do you contact if they were to contact you the high school themselves could they get a xenopath for a female player absolutely they can and we have you know we have a lot of um we have a lot of reps we always have reps that go into the high schools but absolutely i can intervene and i can um, intercept you know their their calls if it's maybe the head coach and athletic director that wants to speak with me or with Douglas, absolutely, we make it happen. Okay. Well, Pam, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, talking women's football and and also uh, promoting your pads uh, for for the ladies. And uh, want to wish you the best of luck in uh, in the, the the new league that you're getting or in being commissioner. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. And actually, um, if we could, please. Um, for my pageant page, I have a Facebook page, and I have a website, and I need followers because we're going to be doing a lot of different things. I will be speaking um, this year as Mrs. Michigan United States. My platform is going to be Tracy's Place of Hope, and the founder of that is our former NFL um, player and Hall of Famer, Freddie Blittenkoff. Um, that foundation was started um for his daughter, Tracy, who was murdered. And Fred and Angela have asked me to uh, mentor and volunteer with that foundation, and I, with great honor, accepted that. So if the listeners would like to go to my Facebook page, they, they can find that under Mrs. Michigan, United States 2023. And you can watch the video there. Um, Freddie Blittenkoff's up there. We talk about the foundation. And if they want to follow that, I'll be doing many, many things in the upcoming years with the Blittenkoff family um, to bring awareness to domestic assault. As well as my website is Mrs. Michigan United States 2023.com. And it's been an honor to join you today. Um, it's always a pleasure speaking about women's football. I get so excited, and for the listeners who's ever considered or maybe considering playing, you'll never know until you you know you get out there and you go watch a practice. And it's it's pretty contagious once you get around it. And I'm looking very forward to many many years ahead to um, to help this really grow to something that women have always dreamt that it that it could be. And Doug, I appreciate your time. Thank you for inviting me. I'll come back anytime you'd like me to speak about women's football, and I hope that the listeners enjoy um, our topics today. And any questions, again, they can reach out to me at any time at 269-998-6347. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on, Pam, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Thank you very much. We'll be right back to close it out right after this. Profiler Inc., your local source for custom graphics, including banners, decals, and custom apparel for your corporate, school, or personal needs. For more information, check us out on the web at www.profilerinc.com or on our Facebook page, Profiler Inc. No matter the threat or where the front line may be, our armed forces protect and defend us every day. But what does it take to strengthen our service members and keep them focused on the mission? What does it take to keep our military connected to family, home, and country? It takes a force. Be a force behind the forces. Join the USO in helping service members and their families. Give today at csohio.uso.org. A Special Wish Foundation of Dayton has a new name. It is now a Special Wish Foundation Dayton and Southwest Ohio chapter. They now serve 20 counties in Southwest Ohio and work with families whose children are being seen at Dayton Children's and Cincinnati Children's Hospitals. The organization has granted over 1,800 wishes to those children battling life-threatening illnesses. To find out how you can help make a Special Wish come true, log on to their website, aspecialwishdayton.org. Or call them at 937-223-WISH. A Special Wish Foundation is a 501c3, and all funds stay within the local community to support local children. Hi, 
Hi, this is Doug Brown from the Gem City Sports Network. Throughout the years, we've provided coverage of a wide range of sports, including high school baseball, football, basketball, and soccer, as well as Central State Marauders football and basketball. You do baseball also. And do you know what the best part is? It's all free. That's right, absolutely free. We sincerely appreciate you tuning in to Gem City Sports Network, your ultimate source for local sports here in the Miami Valley. Back here on GCSN Reports, I want to thank Pam McQueer for coming on and talking women's football. That's right, women's football. It's all over the place. It goes from Miami to Seattle, San Diego to uh, Portland, Maine, it's, and every place in between. There's leagues all over the place that you can watch uh, women's football. And believe me, they go out there and they work just as hard as the men. And they play hard. They tackle hard. They hit hard. And you can hear it in the seats. They hit hard. Trust me. And uh, I didn't get hit, but I can hear it. You know, I, I heard it out there on the field. So, once again, women's football, it's here to stay. And it's its a great entertainment on a Saturday night. So, this week on GCSN, we will have high school football as the Bradford Railroaders take on the Dixie Greyhounds. 7 o'clock on Friday night. Airtime is at 6.45. And then on Saturday afternoon, it'll be the Central State Marauders in their home opener as they take on the Allen Yellow Jackets from McPherson Stadium on the campus of Central State University. Till then, this is Doug Brown saying so long. Thank you for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon here on GCSN Reports. You've been listening to GCSN Reports. Today's show has been brought to you by Profiler Performance Products, by Don Brown Sports Apparel, a big league look for a minor league price, by McAfee Heating and Air, any season, any time, McAfee, by Profiler Inc., by the USO, by a Special Wish Foundation of Dayton and Southwest Ohio, by Darren Dollar Music, and by the Gem City Sports Network, your source for local sports in the Miami Valley, the Gem City Sports Network. Join us next time for GCSN Reports right here on the Gem City Sports Network.